So ask yourself this question. What is the worst attitude that you can have? The attitude that will sabotage basically every plan, every hope, every dream that you have. Uh, it's probably being a victim. I, I Sometimes I like maybe being entitled is worse. You know, Charlie Munger says sloth and unreliability. Like what are the key core sabotaging uh, attributes that you find in people who never, well, like I said, are never worth a damn. And I think victimhood is high up there, if not the top. This book, Louis Zamperini, uh, Devil at My Heels, Angelina Jolie is actually making a movie about this. This is, this is like a man's man right here. I'm super sad. This guy... I was scheduled to do a, an interview with him here in LA, and he died at 97, uh, literally a week or two after we had contacted his son to set it up. So, uh, missed out on a legend. If you don't know this guy's story, and you're going to see how this is relevant to you, just let me put it to you in context. This guy goes, and this, by the, by the way, is the book of the day, Devil at My Heels. He goes out. He uh, is kind of like a kid that gets in a lot of trouble, juvenile delinquent. Delinquent. He learns to run. His brother's like, hey, why don't you run? So he goes from this little troublemaker kid to a runner. He gets really good, at, and uh, he finally makes it up to the Olympic level. He goes to Germany uh, before World War II. He actually meets Adolf Hitler while he's a runner there, comes back to the U.S. U.S. goes to war. And he ends up uh, in flying B twenty four these different bombers. So first thing he's out. He's he, and by the way, the reason I want to tell this story uh, is because just listen to the narrative as this thing plays out, right? So you got juvenile delinquent life going boom to nothing. Maybe you can think back on a time of your life where your life's going to nothing. He turns it around the first time with this, uh, you know, finding a sport, some simple way. By the way, this ties into what we talked about last time on Top Dog, Poe Bronson, in the book about how competition brings the best out of people or many types, depending if you're extrovert or introvert. So competition brings the best out of you. So he runs, then he gets drafted. He's in the military. This crazy war, Pearl Harbor's happening. He's out in the Pacific Ocean. He's in a plane, one of his first uh, flights out in this bomber to bomb a Japanese island. He said before he left, he told the general, I don't think we should all fly in at the same level. That way if the Japanese zero in on us with their guns, uh, they can blow us all away. We should come, but the general didn't listen to him. So he was a good soldier. He did what the general said. Sure enough, he was right. The, they were flying over, they dropped their bombs, and the Japanese just opened up. And literally, guys were getting killed all around them. You're in like, it's almost, I think back then, they're almost made out of, you know, this thin kind of, not wood, but I don't know what it was, bullets flying. He ended up saving the lives of like three guys, like holding one guy's neck, and, you know, only one of them made back. And when they made it back to the island or, uh, where they were landing, the back to base, he got all these... Uh, awards because they said they'd never seen a plane so shot up and still made it through so this guy was a man as i said if you're watching this if you're a man this is a man's man if you're watching this and you're a woman uh you know he 
represents the pinnacle to me after reading this book. And if you read it, the same thing. The pinnacle of what adulthood and being... When I say a man's man, it's not a gender thing. I mean, he lived life. So this is just the beginning. Remember, he meets Hitler in the Olympics after taking his running to the nth degree and becoming one of the top runners in the world. Then he goes out, his first touch with death, everybody loses their cool or other guys lose their cool, they get killed. This guy holds the whole plane together, they land. Then, whatever, a few months later, he's out and their bomber, one of the engines go out, a B-24. He hits the water, right, like 100 miles, 200 miles an hour. They didn't even have time to put a mayday out. They hit this water so hard, he said, the guy next to me instantly killed. Boom. He said, uh, plane catches on fire. He said the water was all on fire, and he ended up being caught as the plane was sinking. He got all these wires wrapped around him, and he said he was 20, 30 feet. And he said he had practiced as a, as a teenager holding his breath to be a better runner. So he was able to hold it together, but he said at some point, like literally looking up at the ocean, remember you're in the middle of the Pacific, no mayday, nobody knows where you are, and you see the light just disappearing as you get darker and darker under the water. And he said he passed out, and what happened was uh, somehow he got un he got uh, unentangled. And he was able to swim, and he said his lungs almost burst, but he said right when I thought I was going to give up, I called back on that fortitude that he had from being an Olympic runner and was able to hold it together, shot up. There's two guys left alive. One guy is perfectly healthy, and one guy's like shell-shocked, this guy named Mac. He finds two rafts. Uh, they had, I think, 10 chocolate bars. So they're floating, middle of the ocean. Little bit of water. You have enough water, I think, for a week or something. Some of the stuff wasn't in there that was supposed to be in the kit. The first night when they get hungry, they wake up, and this one Mac guy, this is crazy. I don't. I would have killed this dude. While the two, uh, Louie and the other guy were asleep, this one third guy had freaked out and eaten all the candy bars. So they woke up. They're like, where's the candy bars? And he had just freaked out. And this guy, it's interesting what he says he did because this guy would freak out. And uh, he ended up having to, you know how you see in movies when like people freak out? And you have to pop him in the face. He said, but Matt kept screaming. I tried reverse psychology. I threatened to report him. Oh, because by the way, Mac, after this little chocolate bar thing, they forgave him. And uh, Mac suddenly started screaming one day. We're going to die. We're going to die. I couldn't believe my ears. Are you kidding? We're not going to die. Louie, the author said. Mac says, yes, we're all going to die. You know we are. Though we never had time to radio a distress call, I absolutely believed we'd be saved. This was this eternal optimist. But by the way, if you read Martin Seligman, learn, learn optimism. People who make it in life, it's not the, the secret kind of optimism. Let me just elaborate on that. A lot of people with the secret, they think you have no skill in life. You have no years in. You have no battle scars. The world doesn't owe you anything. I mean, you don't deserve anything, I should say. But suddenly you read a book, The Law of Attraction, and you just start going, oh, I'm going to be rich. Oh, I'm going to be happy. Let me break something to you. 
when you don't know who the sucker is, you're the sucker. And if you believe that about the law of attraction of the secret or whatever gobbledygook about po positive uh, optimism and so on, uh, you're the sucker because it doesn't work that way. But, and I'm not trying to say you should, if you like those things, I'm not disparaging those. I'm delineating, drawing a line in the sand between accuracy and inaccuracy. What this guy did, and what, by the way, I saw this book came in, if you haven't seen this, The World I Live In, Optimism by Helen Keller. Deaf, mute, you know, everything, blind, and she was always an optimist. And this guy, in the midst of being floating, I don't know if you've ever been in the Pacific Ocean, it's very big. I've been out in a freighter 28 days in the middle of the ocean. The ocean is a scary thing. He is alone in the ocean, a little bit like Helen Keller in the sense that she was in complete darkness, couldn't hear, couldn't communicate, couldn't, or in the sense couldn't talk, couldn't see, yet he was an optimist and Helen Keller was an optimist. They were not using positive psychology. What they were doing is going, I'm going to get to my end game goal. No matter what I have to do, I'm going to put in the blood, sweat, and tears to get to the end game. That, my friend, that's accurate. It's not guaranteed, but as Martin Seligman said, as he began in his research on people who make it, people who do the things that they want to do, people who become healthy, wealthy, find love and happiness, these people consistently are not like the Matt guy who says, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. They are like Louie. He said, don't worry, we're not going to die. We've rescued plenty of guys out here, and now they're searching for us. We'll be eating dinner with the Marines tonight or tomorrow night. But Matt kept screaming, he said, the negative guy. I tried reverse psychology. I threatened to report him when he got picked up. Neither worked, so I did what I had to do. I punched him in the face, <laughs> which reminds me of uh, a saying that I've thought of making the title of a book that I'm going to write called Never trust a man who hasn't been punched in the face. Uh, there's something uh, good about being punched in the face. If you've never had it happen to you, you may not have lived a good enough life yet. You wouldn't want it to happen a lot, but a good smack in the face is about what this world needs, by the way. Um, if you've ever seen the movie V for Vendetta, it's a great movie. Cause people, or, or it's funny, these movies like Saw, these whole trilogies or whatever, five Saw movies, they're all about people who deserve a smack in the face getting it. So in this case, he said, when I cracked him in the face, Mac flew backwards, surprised, yet somehow content. He regained control, and for the moment, he kept his fears to himself. So for you, what you need to start moving towards is moving away from little gimmicky solutions to problems, okay? Like, I'm going to verbally say it, and through the magic potion of words on top of no skill, I'll get what I want. Remember, Louis Zamperini had already built skill around endurance because he was an endurance runner in the Olympics. You saw it helped him, saved his life in terms of being able to hold his breath. He said, I was in the best shape of my life when I hit the Pacific Ocean. So, you know, the old cliche, luck is whatever, where hard work meets preparation, or I forget how that cliche goes. But that's what happened here. Preparation. So it wasn't talk. 
wasn't talking his way into survival. It was he was already prepared when the moment came. And as John Wooden says, uh, prepare for the dark, rainy day because it comes for everybody. If you read the story of history, you can't, like I, I think Will Durant says in the story of civil, human civilization, there's been 11 years without conflict and wars. And that was back, I think, when uh, the Roman Empire, Augustine, Pax Romana, a long time ago. We live in times now, and your life is a microcosm of the time that you live in, where you will have something. It might not be on the level of Helen Keller's catastrophe, or I shouldn't say catastrophe, but adversity. Uh, it may not be being in the middle of the ocean. They ended up there 47 days with no water. No food, because remember this Matt guy ate all the chocolate bars that they had, the fortified chocolate bars. Uh, in addition to that, sharks were continually trying to jump out of the water and eat them. They had to fight them off at one point, 24-7. Huge storms came where you're going on a raft over 100-foot waves uh, or 80-foot waves, whatever. The swells, I'm sure, were over 100 feet. A great white shark came at one point and would bump for 24 hours. They had to play dead. It gets even worse. And by, by the way, before I get, get to the end, you know, what ends up happening, it, it's an insane story. When Angelina Jolie makes this movie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely see this. Be the first in line. This is what Louis said. Look, no one wants to crash, but we had. I knew the way to handle it was to take a deep breath. Relax and keep a cool head. Survival is a challenge, and the way to meet it was to be prepared. I trained myself to make it. I was in top physical condition. Except for his head gash, Phil was in good, good shape, too. He said, uh, so notice there. And it's interesting. He says, <clears throat> as undesirable as my situation was now, I was still alive. And although I did not know why, it was better than the alternative. So my question, I read this book when I was going through some weird adversity in my life. And I remember reading it late at night. That's not a good time to think of your adversities, by the way. The nighttime is, it amplifies all of your fears. But I remember reading this book and going, okay, this dude, as long as he's alive, he's okay with the alternative. I also thought it was interesting. He said, my buddy's... I said, of course, on life rafts, what you mostly do is pray. <laughs> so they ended up praying for many hours. But here's kind of the central theme. We're talking about victimhood and the opposite. Taking preparation, pushing yourself to the limit. In this case, keeping cool, calm, under pressure. Which, by the way, according to Top Dog, is not always the perfect strategy for you to employ. Some people do good, you know, venting. But I, whether you outwardly or, you know, hold it in, uh, I think that being calm is a consistent pattern of success. I remember in Hillary Clinton's book talking about when uh, the, Obama was sending the Navy SEALs to go kill Osama bin Laden. And there were some tremendous issues that came up. The, the helicopter, if you've seen the movie or read the book... The helicopter there was going to get Osama bin Laden hit the wall. And the reason it hit the walls, their preparation wasn't good. They had practice. That special ops team had practice in the United, in a, 
in a they had built a compound somewhere in the United States and tested and they'd use a chain link fence. But Osama bin Laden in Pakistan, his real compound was a, a solid wall. So when the helicopters came in at the right angle that night, when they, you know, dropped themselves in there, the difference in the air pressure between a chain link fence and a real wall made the helicopter crash. And uh, Hillary Clinton says about Obama, she said, I've never been so proud to serve under a president. He kept his cool. Now, obviously, he was sitting back in the U.S. and wasn't under the same stress as the special ops people. But the point is, great leaders and great people, Louis Zamperini in this case was truly the leader of these three men on this raft. But in your life, you're going to have to take leadership. You're going to have to take ownership. This is all the opposite of entitlement, all the opposite of victimhood. Okay, be a man or be a woman in the real sense of it. And the real sense of it is just this. You know, I said earlier, it's not about gender. Just ask yourself this. If, you, if you're going, oh, well, Ty, what is the definition of a man or a woman? A man is who you would want to be 47 days with on a raft floating, never know, not knowing whether you're going to live another day. A woman, a real woman. Is someone you'd want to float in a raft with for 47 days. I'll just call that the 47-day life raft test. That's a real man. And as you begin to evaluate yourself and the people around you, you're going to find not many people are 47-day life raft, 47-day uh, life raft people. Most people are like this Matt guy and they're freaking out and eating all the candy bars and flipping out. If you do that, as you see in this book, I don't want to give it away what happens to Mac, but I can pretty much assure you, you don't want to be Mac. You want to be Louie because Louie made it back. He got to meet Angelina Jolie at 97. Uh, and, you know, he, he won the highest, some of the highest medals, I think, and uh, saved lives. So as he goes through this, one day... They're always, you know, they got the flare gun. So when planes would come by, they'd shoot it up in the air, just kind of like Castaway with Tom Hanks. At one point, they see a plane, and the plane like wiggles that it saw saw them, and they were so happy. They shot off all their flares. They put their ink dye in the ocean. They're like, yes, we finally made it. Guess who it was? A Japanese fighter pilot. And that Japanese pilot shot at them for like three hours just for fun, just machine gunned these guys floating out there in the middle of nowhere. So uh, Louis had to literally dive underwater because bullets only go about three feet down and he had to fight off sharks with a paddle. They had to take turns for like whatever, three hours till this, and play dead till the Japanese gave up shooting at him. He said that was very stressful. Um, but once again, it's like contrast bias. I talk about this, the 25... Uh, cognitive biases it's that is one of them losing your contrast he did not lose his contrast i mean I, this book will make you not lose your contrast most of us think about the things that you're worried about today we're majoring in minors and minoring in majors this guy through this experience i guarantee you like i said i'm sad i never got to meet him he majored in majors, I guarantee you, every day, and he talks about this. He learned, let me see if I can find this. This is the mind-blowing thing. He said, for a moment, anxiety clutched me. The sea could swallow us all, but rather than get, give in, I made myself a promise. No matter what lay ahead, 
I'd never think about dying, only about living. Despite our situation, I felt so fortunate to be alive that I was actually happy. Maybe it seems odd now, but it didn't thin. Think about that. 47 days, no food, no water. You got to try to catch rainwater. They lost 100 pounds. Went from grown men, 180 pounds, down to 80 pounds when they were finally fished out of the water. And he was able to be happy. And yet I meet people and they're not happy no matter what. And I'm like, you lost your contrast, my friend. Don't ever lose your contrast. I know, and you know, if you look at the media, the penalty for losing your contrast is death. Whether it be by suicide or death of dreams, death of uh, hopes, aspirations. So, craziest thing of this whole book, you live through 47 days as a long time. And they finally think what they see is an island. It turns out to be a set of Japanese bombers, uh, Japanese destroyers and ships. They're picked up. They're tortured then at multiple camps. I'll leave you to read the book. But through it all, he was there was a, a camp guard named uh, The Bird who was like sadistic, tortured these all these guys, just the worst atrocities. And it's interesting. In life, he ended up went back and... Uh, met those prison guards and forgave them takes a again a, t a tough person to do that but i guess what i wanted to say to there uh, today is that just keep it in check keep the victim in check keep the entitlement in check you know as you read these stories he was talking i mean the people that died in world war ii both on all sides it's insane how many people died Millions of people died. Millions and millions and millions. He's talking about, and then one of the Japanese intern camp, intern or uh, Japanese prison camps, they had to go load the docks. This uh, really dangerous job that they'd make the prisoners do in Japan. And he said the guy next to him was trying to get up on the ship, and another ship came and just crashed accidentally. And just, he said it was squashed like a grape. I mean, lives just boom. Life is is in history, your life, my life, of course, we're ego-based, so we think our life is the important one, right? We're egocentric. We're kind of like people thought in the 1400s or whatever that the earth is the center of the universe, but then when you look out in a telescope, all of a sudden you're like, wait a sec, we're not even part of this thing as any central figure. We're just floating, man. We're just floating out there. So in the same way, you kill the victimhood, by going, the way to make it out of victimhood is to go, preparation. How much preparation have I done? You know, I used to do uh, uh, martial, I've done different martial arts. And when I lived in North Carolina, I had a, I found a guy, his name was Brad Huffman. And he'd been trained at the Shaolin Temple in China by Shaolin monks from a little kid. He's one of the only Americans to ever actually train in the Shaolin Temple. His dad was an ambassador there. And he said, you know, Ty, what my teacher told me is that if you're an adult and you're walking down the street and somebody walks up to you and mugs you and beats you up, that that's your fault. Because when you were 10, you should have started training in martial arts. So when the guy comes up, you can protect yourself. See, we're victims because we try to fix the moment in, uh, fix the problem in the moment. There's no fixing problems in mo the moment. As Lao Tzu says, prepare for what is difficult when it is easy. So throw out the magic potions of words and positive 
Uh, not that I'm anti-positive. It needs to be a balance. You can't be too negative and you can't be too positive, as Aristotle said. The answer is in the mean, the average, the middle, the median. So victimhood, the antithesis, and that's what you want to have a lot of, the antidote to victimhood, is a lot of preparation, a lot of skill building. I always tell people, work with me. I'm like, you got a tool belt on. Or imagine you have that tool belt in life. And that tool belt... Better not just have one tool like a hammer. As they say, when you all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, but yet every problem isn't a nail. So having one tool in the tool belt in and of itself means you are guaranteed to be unprepared for a situation that you need a screwdriver. Louis Zamperini was already prepared for life and death. And that's why his victimhood factor was almost zero. And that's why he survived when so many men like this Matt guy just gave up and died. So first thing, no victimhood. Okay, That can also be helped by reading biographies. If you're following, if you're in my 67 steps or, or a lot of you are in my VIP private coaching, the premium coaching, because uh, I give away stuff like this free. But a lot of my best stuff is in the premium stuff because I have more time to talk about it. So um, for those of you in that, you guys will remember that I talk about... Uh, reading these biographies to go to bed that's what i do you should have biographies stacked up you see all these stacks you should have a stack of biographies specifically don't read how to books when you're going to bed because they make your mind race too much so you got these books give you courage they give you contrast they let you go okay is it such a big deal that i got a flat tire today it's such a big deal that you know whatever i only have 500 bucks in my bank account no, you'll be fine. This guy was 47 days with no water. That's a real problem. Losing 100 pounds. Great white sharks. Machine guns. POW camps. So small, he was put in, they used to put people in little boxes till you almost went insane with claustrophobia. One of the, the guards, the bird, made him take a two by four, a big piece of wood, and hold it up above his head. And he ended up holding heavy thing he held it for 38 minutes because he didn't want to give the japanese guy try the the pleasure of uh you know saying he didn't try or whatever i meant by the way try to take something heavy and hold it over your head for 38 minutes so um victimhood is removed through preparation uh it's also removed through increasing the the uh effective contrast biases you have Bias yourself to the right people. Don't be biasing yourself to Paris Hilton. Not to pick on her, but she represents something. You know, kids that are 16 that are like, oh, my dad only got me a BMW. Another, because I live in Beverly Hills. That's kid. That's people's like freak out. Oh my God, I'm depressed. You need, kids like commit suicide over stuff like this. That's why I said, at some days, never trust a human that hadn't been punched in the face or a little slap in the face. So once you have that, preparation increase, skill-based increase, so that you know when the dark day comes, you're ready, then you, of course, increase on top of that contrast. Uh, I truly believe it becomes like what he says in this book. You now live life. Just remember, most people do not live a real life. They're phantoms. They're ghosts walking through their they're cogs in the machine. And most people are cogs in the machine. So, you know, kind of 
I think after you understand those two things, the third thing that I was just left with by the book is, is I think that's kind of profound words. Let me read this to you one more time. Because as I said, this zombie, this phantom life most humans live, uh, I really think that is the end game to eliminate. <laughs> like that is the end game to avoid. People are like, what do you live for? I'm like, that's the one to live for. The one to live for is to really be alive. And I think this is a man more alive than it, almost anyone I've ever met. He says, I made myself a promise. No matter what lay ahead, I'd never think about dying, only about living. And I don't take that literally, meaning you'll never think about dying. Because remember, it was in the context that he's in a raft, literally almost on death's door. What he meant was he would always stay focused on the end game. I actually did... For some of you that are in my inner circle, the more advanced business stuff that I do, um, I don't put that on YouTube and stuff, but you know, I was talking about this over and over. I was going, listen, how are you going to make any money if you don't know your end game? I've talked about the story of uh, uh, the founder, Tom Watson of IBM. He had his end game before he even started. He was like, this is what I'm going to build. I'm going to build a company of this size, of this stature, this many offices, this much revenue. He basically had it mapped out with the end game before he started, and he was able to reverse engineer. See, you have to live life in reverse. So once you know your end game, like this guy, his end game was, I'm going to get off this raft. And then he didn't focus on the minutia. The rest was just the grind. So when the sharks come, he takes the oar, he hits them. He makes it through. When he doesn't have water, when the rain comes, finally, occasionally, they have it all set up that they could catch the rain. So he was grinding it out. Preparation. When uh, the Japanese came, he already knew what to do and they're shooting at him. He remembered back where he had paid attention in survival courses that the military had given him that said, you know, most people don't pay attention don't learn. The more you learn, the more you earn. Well, the more you learn, the longer you live. And that's actually Dr. David Buss, evolutionary psychology. There's a lot of research that shows an increase. You use your IQ. Everyone here has IQ. The more you use it, literally, it's correlated with the length of years that you have. People who don't use their brain, you see that in this book. Boom, they're taking off the planet. So once you have end game motivation, then everything else, even when he's a POW, it's like, psh, I'm making it through. When he's holding up this thing 30, for 38 minutes when he's being beaten up and tortured, it's all end game. It's all end game. So I'm asking you right now, this is the question. What's your end game? It must be definable. It must be exact. You know what my end game is? I got it easy. Eight words. I want to spread the world's best ideas. This is an elaborate version, more than eight words. I want to spread the world's best ideas using mass media. I know my end game. It defines who I am. You must define yourself. And then and only then will you be able to go, is this action right, wrong, congruent, efficient, accurate, whatever word you want to use. But most people are just zombies living. You know what most people are? It's even worse than just being a zombie. They are zombies chasing mirages. Imagine that. What could be a stupider more pointless life. You know, sometimes you see really smart people like you saw this recently with Robin Williams committing suicide. And like I said, I'm not commenting on that specific thing because 
I know there's lots of circumstances, but smart people are like, what is the point of life and da 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 and why am I even here? Well, I'm like, well, like Freud said, in civilization is discontents, SA2. He goes, do you ask that about your dog? Do you look at your dog and go, what's his point of being? No, the dog's point of being is being there and being alive is your point. Keep it simple, man. Keep it simple. I can argue. I can get into all the philosophy. We can go through all the different schools of thought. But at the end of the day, I'm just sharing with you a simple man, Louis Zamperini. It's about living. I felt fortunate to be alive, and I was actually happy. If he can pull it off, you can pull it off. But the good news and what happens... Uh, in the military and specifically in a situation where you're in crisis, it's easy to define the end game. It's a focused end game. I want to get off this raft alive. It's like, I want to get off this raft alive. Eight words. What's your eight word one? Mine is spread good ideas or spread amazing ideas with mass media. Six. What's yours? Man, I can walk down the street here of Hollywood and Sunset or anywhere in the world and ask that question. You know, I guess in Hollywood, a lot of people are like, I want to be an actor. But most people, that's an end game that only, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. Don't get me started on that one. But uh, what's yours? You should have a carefully definable one. Because without that, you'll end up a victim. And like I said, you'll end up a zombie. Mindless creature, boom, 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 not even alive, no more alive than a rock is alive, really, you know, maybe a zombie, of course, I think the definition biologically of life is a response to stimuli, so maybe they are alive in a sense, but they're also chasing, most people are not just a zombie, but they're also chasing a mirage, meaning they're on a treadmill that goes nowhere like lemmings, they're just going off a cliff. My advice to you is don't be a cog. You may be here for another day. You may here be here for another century. I don't know. But I want you to be able to say of yourself, you know, I was a man. I was a woman. I was the kind of person you would want for 47 days in a life raft for you. And I'll tell you who you don't want. You don't want someone just spouting off like, oh, you know, we're going to... No, what you want is somebody with a whole bunch of tools in their tool belt. Fill up the tool belt of life with everything from social skills, I call those soft skills, to hard skills, like a literal talent, like video editing, computer programming, uh, you know, being a surgeon, like some. You got to put your hand into something. Put your hand to something, I should say. It's got to be tangible. And then you need all the soft skills, the intangible skills. Being able to win friends and influence people. Being able to speak well, fluently, in front of a small group and a large group. Being able to persuade and influence. Being able to be empathetic when the time comes to be empathetic. And also be forceful and aggressive when the time calls for it. To understand a little bit of history. To speak a few languages. To few, know a few instruments. To have traveled to a few places, yet have a home base. All of these seemingly, uh, you know, dichotomous aspects, these all become the tools in your tool belt. And then having a whole bunch of 
hard skills do, tangible skills. A lot of times when people come work for me or we do internships sometimes, let some people in here to work in, in our companies, I think they think about me, oh, this Thai guy is a business guy and he just has all this like, you know, he knows a few people. That I'm like, nah, they're surprised. I know a lot of tangible stuff too. <laughs> like, and I'm not saying that boastfully because there's people who have a lot more, but like I know how to do stuff too, hands-on. Bill Gates, he was putting the whole company together, Microsoft, but at the same time, he was the best computer programmer there, and if he got pissed off enough and somebody was like, this can't be done, he'd sit down and do it himself. He had a lot of tools in his tool belt. And by the way, for those of you who care about money, financial independence, wealth, uh, there is nobody who gets wealthy except people who inherit their money or win lottery who don't have a lot of tools in their tool belt. Victimhood or the state of saying, oh, there's a recession. Uh, I can't stand that stuff, man. What recession? What recession? I know some people that made a billion dollars during the recession. It wasn't a recession for them. Don't be a victim of the media. Just because some dopey reporter, by the way, don't get me started on reporters. If you are a reporter, don't take this. Reporters are fools to learn from most of them. There's good ones, but the mass of them who are leading people eyeballs to like, oh, this is the news. Oh, okay, there's a recession. Oh, okay. Like, what are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? I remember in the midst of the recession, I don't mean to make light some of you, some of us, myself included, you may have had some economic hardships during 2008 or other uh, hard or other recessionary periods, but like compared to what? The bubonic plague in the Middle Ages where 25% of a country died? Or 19, uh, was it 1918, 1919, the Spanish influenza wipes off whatever percentage of the planet? Or like my grandma goes through World War II and every man in her family is killed. Like, What is the recession you're talking about, man? I think people freak out about recessions because the expectation is that life is recession-proof. Come on now. If that's you, would you want yourself in the right life raft? I wouldn't want you in the life raft. What I want, the in, I want the innovators, as Jeff Bezos says. Give me the people who innovate themselves out of the problem. This guy innovated himself out of it, whether he was wrapped up going 200 feet underwater. He's innovate, man. I can't tell you how uncreative people are. People come work for me. I, I want to commit. Uh, well, let me not say that phrase. That's, I, I want to go nuts. It's like, are you so low level of a mirage chasing zombie that you can't solve this problem, man? Like I said, I need Louis Zamperini there. Pop him in the face for me, please. And then the good news is you get punched in the face sometimes and you wake up. So the next recession that comes, and it will come for me, and it will come for you, and it might wipe us out financially. Then you got some new challenge. It'll focus you, and maybe it'll make you happier in the end game. You can make your money back again. I got a friend here, lost all his money. He was making 200 grand a week in the 80s, and he was in his early 20s. He had a Rolls Royce. He had a private jet. He was 22 years old. All got taken away from him when his business partner got arrested for doing all this stuff my friend didn't know. He, my friend had to pay back the IRS 10 years, had to pay back the millions his partner had stolen without him knowing. And he did it all, and he rebuilt and became a millionaire again after paying back 10 million bucks. That's a man that I want in the life 
the lifeboat of my existence on this planet. So pick your friends wisely. Become the kind of friend you'd want. Don't be the Matt guy freaking out and being the victim. There's no victims in this life. I mean, in a certain sense, we're all victims. We're all victims of time outside of our control. If that's what you define victim, we're all victim of being born in a certain place to a certain set of parents genetically. But keep it in check, my friend. So what's your end game goal? Write it right here. Tell me about your victimhood and how you're going to get rid of it. Write it here on the page, YouTube, my site, my podcast, leave it as a review. Got to get rid of it. There's no end game. Never be a zombie. Never chase a mirage. Be like Louis Zamperini. In the midst of it all, he was able to be happy and focused. Anyway, check out more on my site, tylopez.com. Join my book of the day. I review books like this every day. I got some good ones coming up too. Always have good ones. Man, there's so many good books. I meet people like, ah, Ty. How do you read so much and do life? I'm like, I don't know. Just figure out a way to do it. You'll be all right. This man, now I'm going to start telling people, Louis Zamperini it. I always come up every week with a new saying. My last one was Alexander the Great it. To myself, when I start get, becoming a whiny little baby, I'm like, Ty, Louis Zamperini it. If he can fight off a great white shark for two days in Japanese shooting at him, sitting duck in the middle of the Pacific and last 47 days without water and, and get tortured by a Japanese... Uh, you know, crazy guards and have hold something above his head and get locked in a box and lose a hundred pounds. I bet you, Ty, you can get through it, man. Just power through it. We're all lucky. Don't worry about recessions. They're coming for you anyway. <laughs> They're coming. They're not worse than a great white shark, though. So you'll be all right. I'll be all right. Let's agree. Probably at some point, you and I are going to lose a lot of money. Let's agree that our health, we're going to fall and hurt ourselves and have to recover. Let's agree right now that someone's going to betray us romantically, friends, family. Let's agree that there's going to be a period of time when you're feeling depressed. And uh, prepare for it now. Fill up, the, fill up the tool belt. How many tools, if I met you, both soft and hard, would you have? I hope you have a lot. Because if not, you're going to be Mac. If you can pull it off, you're going to be Louie. All right, talk to you soon. TyLopez.com, put your email in, it's free. And I uh, hope this has been helpful. Thanks.